You're listening to Her Brilliant Health Radio, episode number 28. She used to deliver babies, but now she delivers exceptional wellness for women. Welcome to Her Brilliant Health Radio, where holistic women's health expert and board-certified OBGYN Dr. Kieran Dunstan shares revolutionary insight from leading experts on what you need to know today to treat the root cause of disease, heal, and create the radiant health you've been searching for. everybody, it's Dr. Kieran. Welcome to another episode of Her Brilliant Health Radio. I'm so glad to have you here with me today. Thank you for tuning in. Please help me welcome my special guest, Deborah Atkinson. I want to tell you a little bit about her. I met Deborah several years ago at a mindshare group that we belong to, and she's a fellow over 50 femme fatale, and she really helps women make the most of this wonderful time of life. And if you're not thinking it's wonderful and you're in your 50s or even your 40s and you're worrying, then you need to listen up to what Deborah has to say because this really should be the best time of your life, in my opinion. So hormone balancing fitness expert, Deborah Atkinson has helped 145,000 women flip their second half with energy and vitality. She's the author of You Still Got It, Girl, the After 50 Fitness Formula for Women, Navigating Fitness After 50. And hot, not bothered, (laughs) Deborah hosts (laughs) Flipping 50 TV and the Flipping 50 Podcast, an AARP top podcast for adults 50 plus. She has 35 years industry experience, including 15 years as senior lecturer in kinesiology at Iowa State University. She's an American Council on Exercise subject matter expert and Medical Fitness Network Educational Foundation Advisory Board member. She is a certified strength and conditioning coach. Ace Medical Exercise Specialist and creator of the Flipping 50 Specialist Hormone Hormone Balancing Fitness for Fitness Experts. Welcome, Deborah. Well, thank you. So good to be here. So glad to have you. So I am an admirer of yours and um, just love how you embrace this phase of life, which, like I said, I think is a fabulous time. And what what brought you to this point to really embrace it and be kind of a pioneer in helping other women to love themselves and love their 50s? Well, amid life crisis, of course. <laughs> so, you know, you can't get to heaven unless you've been through hell, I've heard it said. So, um, you know, I can attest to that. I, You don't think when you're on the other side that you really want to go there. But until you get out here, it's you, you can't grow in ways that you wouldn't have. So, But that's when all of my research really began. I was actually diving into it and never once do I remember putting my hand up saying, I'd love to be primary research, but apparently I did. And uh, so I got to live it. I turned my life upside down when I was 49, some of it by choice, but I didn't expect 
six other major life stressors that came shortly after two I selected. And what I learned though in about 14 months is so much less exercise and more food of the right kind in both situations, right, actually gets better results. And after 14 months of barely pulling myself away from a, a computer because I had started a new new business with no net, I just jumped. Silly, silly me. Um, and I, I realized I was in better shape. I looked better. I was getting more compliments all at a time when my, my hormones were under chaos. And that's when really all of the research began to come out featuring women in perimenopause, menopause, and beyond. And that's something we should mention right here. So all of all exercise and sports medicine research, 39% just that features females. So when we think about you and I represented in research, it's, it's a fraction of that. So some of the things we grew up doing really weren't a fit for us. So if you're struggling, you know, there's a reason you may be struggling. And so be a a critical thinker when you're thinking about, does that pertain to me? Should I really be doing that? Were the subjects about me? So, right. And we're going to get into, I want to get into the nitty gritty with you on keeping it after 50. We're going to talk about that. But first I do want to talk about, I think the people listening, women that I interact with who starting even in their 30s, but definitely in the 40s and 50s, are kind of at this point in their lives where a midlife crisis may be approaching and maybe desired and maybe it's not. Maybe things are falling on you that you uh, don't want and would rather not have or would not prefer is what I like to say. I would not prefer that. Um, Right. But it's nonetheless here. And if you're listening, maybe this is you. Maybe you're stuck in a career and it wasn't your dream when you were 20 to have the career that you're having. And you're thinking, oh, is my life really going to be over and I'm going to be doing this career for the rest of it? Or is now the time to go back to school, start that business, make a change? Or maybe you've been living in a city for decades, but you've always wanted to live in another place. And so you're wondering, is this the time? Or maybe you're in this relationship that you realize, wow, this is really not serving me and not what I envisioned. And you're thinking about changing or maybe your parents are ill and you're becoming a caretaker. So whatever the forces are, whether they're coming from inside of you or outside of you, people always want to know about my personal journey and how I got from delivering babies and doing hysterectomies and giving birth control pills to... (laughs) doing holistic natural women's health and doing a podcast and really changing my whole life. And so I'd love it if you could share some of the details that pushed or pulled you out of your kind of former place to where you are. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm to the point now I can do this without tears. So (laughs) this is not live therapy anymore. It's good. (laughs) So, you know, I, when I quit my job, you know, that means like a lot of people, I, I left a TIAA craft. I left a regular paycheck. I left insurance. I left a lot of really good perks, not because I hated it, but I felt like my son was going to college. He was going to get a life and I better get one too. You know, that was outside of him. And so I did jump on purpose, but I didn't see a 
more than a decade relationship coming to an end. That was a shock within the first couple of months of me leaving. So again, it was like a bridge kind of fell, fell away. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't where I needed to be by the end of that year financially. And I was getting scared, really scared. And financial crisis can really put you into a, a really strange place because you lose a bit of who you are you know, being what you do. And I, I was really struggling. So I was putting my house on the market, taking down every picture off the wall at a time, everybody else was putting up Christmas decorations. I was in tears and and it was tough. I loved that house. I loved my life. I was feeling like, you know, the universe was kicking me to do something different clearly that I wouldn't have chosen for myself. And that's what I can look back now and say. I couldn't when I was in the moment, for sure. So I moved two states away. My house was not even under contract yet. Moved into the basement apartment with my niece, whose diapers I had once changed. I pawned jewelry to pay for Facebook ads. I mean, I can't make this shit up. Really? (laughs) Right? I mean, no. Nobody would. I I moved to Boulder and um, folded towels for $20 an hour just to get my bearings and figure out, you know, what do I do? How do I do this business? Because going all digital and virtual was just so foreign to me that, you know, pouring hours and hours there, just I needed some connection in an environment where I felt still at home. Um, So Lots and lots of things happened that kind of led to a lot of growth that, you know, during all of that, you know, we look at stress, right? Look at the stress load and the allostatic load, especially when your hormones are changing. So I had quite a load on my back and, um, you know, the mental and emotional, I think I cried more that year than ever in my entire life. I was, I was easily in tears at any moment because it was a rocky road for a while, but there's probably no better way to be a testimony to, you know, how do you balance your exercise with what's going on with you stress-wise than to have lived it. Mm -hmm. So I'm not, not just a coach who's gone through training and education, but I lived it. I, I know if you're going through stressors, I know what that feels like. And, um, you know, I know how hard it is sometimes to do the right thing. Yeah. Sounds like you, you have been through hell and, but I think it's, it's in those places where we really come to meet ourselves and find out what we're made of when, when we're really, our back is up against the wall. And, uh, that's been part of the journey for me is who are you really? And what did you come to share with the world about yourself? And it's, it's really where you come to meet yourself and answer those big questions. It has been for me, this um, 50 transition about what your legacy is going to be. uh, And what are you made of? And where does your security really come from? Does it really come from an insurance company paycheck? (laughs) Or is that just really (laughs) a down payment on your soul. Um, So I have found it a very beautiful and challenging time, Mm -hmm. but um, that it it, it is allowing me to express who I am in my journey. Like my friend says, God didn't take you through everything you've been through to leave you on the beach. It's for a reason. And my, my belief is that it's to help other people. 
And so with just what you've shared, you've probably helped a whole lot of people because there are a lot of people out there going through hell who are thinking, oh my gosh, is this ever going to end? And if you're listening, yes, it's going to end. Yes. (laughs) And then you're going to come and deliver what you came to deliver. That's Mm -hmm. a beautiful thing, whatever it is. And Deborah's going to share that with you today. And that is, we're going to talk specifically about keeping it after 50 in terms of your health and physical well-being, because that is her expertise. So let's talk about the top 10 things. Absolutely. So I'm going to sound like a broken record. I'm just going to put that out there ahead of time. But one of the very, very first things and in the middle and the last things that I'm going to suggest you do is start strength training if you're not. And And if you're strength training and yet you're not feeling like you're getting enough results, dig deeper into that strength training and let's make sure we're doing it right. There are so many things strength training is tied to and why it's such a crucial part of anything else. I'm not suggesting that you don't do your mobility if you love yoga or I'm not suggesting that you don't do cardio because obviously we've got a heart, we've got bones and we've got a need for range of motion. So we've got to take care of all those components but strength training enables you to do all of those things longer in your life that will, it's the pivot that has to happen first. If you've got that, then you have that cardio or the ability to do the things you love with the people you love. Yes. So strength training, and this is one of the hardest things that I find that women just don't get. Well, and it's not two pound weights. I find for most people, you really need to be pumping iron. When I, when I go to work out, I'm lifting 25 pound dumbbells and I'm sure Deborah, what what dumbbells do you? Well, here's the deal. I'm not even going there with you, right? Because we don't, nobody listening needs to know. And I love that you said it just to give someone some basis, right? right, For, okay, here's this beautiful woman in front of us in pink, right? Almost pink, purple. And still she's lifting heavy, you know, shit. Can I say that here? Um, But it's, I can. Okay. It's not, it's an adult show. Okay. Well, we'll put explicit on this episode, but yes, you need to lift heavy (laughs) shit if you're listening. That's right. And it's, it's, (laughs) very unique to you. So what's heavy and not? So heavy is probably a good definition is you can lift it 10 or 12 or fewer times before you start to lose your form. That would be heavy. So you defining whatever that is for you. If you're starting out, it's going to be a lighter weight than it will be, but you're going to graduate to the next and the next. So it's finding that thing. And one of the number one reasons we need to do it, especially after 50 Hormones begin to change for bone density. So many of us know that it's that was not sexy. That was not the reason we wanted to do it when we were 20. We wanted to look good on Saturday night. That's why we did it. And that's probably still our motivation. My mom is now 93. When she was 87, I had finally stopped hounding her about exercise and decided I got to let them come to me because this is not working. And she said to me, I'm home for the weekend. And she says to me, you know, the woman has high blood pressure, high cholesterol. She's broken a hip, but she says to me, you know, while you're here this weekend, if, could you show me a few exercise to work on this? And she's patting her belly. I mean, so it's not ever going to go away. Right? It's all going to be about vanity before it's about our health. Right. And, And that is okay. 
I'm okay with being codependent on that because I know yeah. if you get started for that reason, you're going to get the extra benefit of the other things as well. So totally get it. We probably get more urgency as we get a little older and we see that this is becoming more of a problem. If you have that DEXA scan for the first time or you, you fall while you're shoveling and you get an x-ray and realize your bones are not what they once were, that's that fear factor can get us launched into it. So for sure. But again, bone density, if we get fearful that we're going to fall and fracture, we're going to tend to be less active. That's a downward spiral, Mm -hmm. whether you, whether you fall and fracture or not. So we want to avoid it in the first place. So getting the strength training is one of the best ways. And you said it, best right those pink dumbbells are your enemy ladies right no pink dumbbells Step away. they're not helping yeah yeah so true and I know that a lot of well-intended physicians want to get patients started doing anything and that's a that's a great place to start but you've got to progress and graduate and get to the next and to the next we do want you to do it safely but it's got to be a little heavy so even your dog food, right? Or your grandchildren, they're not light, right? So you got to be ready. <laughs> That's a good comparator, your, your big bag uh, from Chewy. And so if you're listening yes. and you're thinking, okay, that's great. Yeah, strength training, check it off. And you, you really don't want to hear it because my, like most of my clients, they don't want to hear it. <laughs> and, oh, I can't wait to hear the next tip because it'll be something other than strength training. No. The top right. 10 things that you can do to get it and keep it after 50 all yes. has to do with resistance training. Yes. And we're going to tell you all the reasons why you are going to want to do this because of the myriad health benefits that you get from it that you can't get from a pill. You can't get from a food. You can't get anywhere else except from exercise. So keep listening. And by the time we're done running down these benefits, you're going to say, I need me some of that. And you're going to go (laughs) resistance training. So what other reasons do we want this? Number two. So if I said to you, you could exchange your genetics, right? Mom and dad gave you something, but whatever is happening to them, the way that they're aging and the way your grandparents are aging, or you're looking at an older sister, you know, and now they're aging, you don't have to go there. Strength training twice a week, twice sister. Okay. You got time to do that. And it can be 10, 20 minutes at most reverses the expression of 179 genes associated with aging. So, I mean, we're talking a lot of change in a very little time, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, how good is that? That's so awesome. we know we know there are genetics, but we know epigenetics, your habits, the daily things or the weekly things that you do matter more. So right now is the time to get started. 20 years ago was a better time, but today is the next best time. Get started. Yes, and, and like Deborah says, epigenetics is all about epi genetics, what's around on top of and causing your genes to be turned on or turned off. We now know that it's not just what you inherited, the genes you inherited from your family, your parents, but it's your environmental factors, what you eat or don't eat. 
Do you exercise or don't exercise? Do you do resistance training or not? That turns on good genes and turns off bad genes. So that's what it's all about. And resistance training directly affects, like she said, so many genes that reverse aging. Yeah, so awesome. So, you know, turning off those wrinkles, you're going to improve your skin. But here's another one, metabolism. So now we're getting to the sexier stuff, right? (laughs) So isn't it ironic? I mean, we get older, we have more time, we have a little bit more disposable income, we have to eat, right? We socialize and we eat, we celebrate and we eat, we cry and we eat. So we're not going to be pushing away from the table so much. But if you want to counterbalance what will happen with age, if if, we have to always finish that sentence, if you're not strength training, and it comes down to that more than it comes to cardio, because cardio is like cocaine. You've got to have a fix again and again and again and again. It's only good for the moment. Strength training is good for the duration. So if you strength train twice this week, you're actually changing your body composition. Even on the days you don't exercise, you're increasing your muscle, you're decreasing your fat and the likelihood that you'll store fat. So at the end of the year, if you have to choose on one day, do I have time for cardio or do I have time for strength training? And if you're set up and it's time for you to strength train, do that because it's It's going to have a greater impact on you. And here's the sexier piece. If you want to change your body, your proportions, strength training is the only way to do that. So if you're doing cardio, what you'll do potentially if you lose weight using only cardio is you'll be a smaller version of your same self. You won't change your proportion. So if you you don't love small shoulders and big hips, you can change that with strength training. You can't do that with cardio. That's a great, great uh, selling point. Great selling yes. point. <laughs> so you can carve and, and um, sculpt your body yes. the way you want it. And I just want to add to that in terms of metabolism. So as we age, starting at age 30, if we're not doing something to promote muscle mass stability or gain, we're actually losing muscle mass. And that's one of the main contributors to fat gain or weight gain as we Mm -hmm. age. And the lower our muscle mass, our muscles are the biggest consumer of calories in our body. And Mm -hmm. so if our muscle mass is decreasing, then we're not burning calories when we're just sitting there at the same rate as we used to. And that's when we start gaining weight. So this is key. And then I love the part about sculpting how you want your, your body to look. That's, that's huge. Yes. And I so love that you brought up the age of 30, because I think a lot of times women are thinking, well, I don't have to worry about that until I'm 50 or 60. But I'll tell you what, if you start, get in the weight room when you're 20, 25, and you're super confident, it's a whole lot easier than stepping in for the first time when you're 50 and a little more into intimidated by what's in there. But I also want to speak to that. You've never seen someone intimidated like a 20 something male when a 55 year old female walks into the weight room and says, can I use that? Are you done with that? (laughs) So you go girl. 
<laughs> my favorite place to work out is Orange Theory. I just, I'm addicted to it. And I go sometimes and there are all these young kids and I see them looking at me and they're like, this is a military workout. <laughs> what is she doing? <laughs> I just love it. And I even said to my son, you know, I've been going to Orange Theory. And he said, well, isn't that a really challenging workout? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. So, and you say, you know, I created life. What did you do? <laughs> yes. <laughs> love it. Okay. So, and yeah. such a great thing. So I love that you're doing that. And I love that you're lifting heavy. And I think, you know, unspoken between the lines here, as we're talking about these 10 major reasons to strength train is the inner strength that comes from the outer strength. You know, we have a program that's been going. It's in its third 12th week session right now. And the, the comments that come in after are, you know, I started this because I wanted to see tone and I got my life back. I got me back. I mean, that's priceless. Priceless. That gave me chill bumps. I know, right? Yeah. It is. You do, you find an inner strength. Mm hmm. Uh, doing things that you don't think you can do. Oh, I can't lift that weight. Yeah, you can. Yeah. You do, and then you're yep. like, wow. And your posture changes. And that, uh, so I'm skipping around a little bit, but yeah. posture is a big thing. And there are a lot of psychologists who will tell you, you know, which happens first. I mean, imagine somebody who's grieving, right? I mean, rounded shoulders, closed. Is that causing the depression or is that because of the depressed way they feel? You know, and when you start lifting weights and you start improving your posture, that has an uplifting feel to above, you know, the shoulders and what's happening there. And I think that's really important. But that ties into this next one, mood, mm -hmm. and not just the being in a better mood, but literally depression and anxiety are positively impacted even more than cognitive therapy and medications. And that's no suggestion by any means for anybody to manipulate their medication without support of a doctor, but empowering yourself by changing naturally and helping yourself with mood boosting from strength training, which can be an easier way to start. You don't have to breathe hard, exercise heavily, get sweaty, so strength training can be a much easier way for someone who's maybe less inclined to get started with exercise to begin it. Yes, and for mood disorders, which are very common in women, especially as they start having yeah. hormonal changes in the 40s and 50s with menopause, yeah. there can be mm -hmm. a huge increase in the incidence of anxiety and depression, which if hormones are naturally and appropriately balanced – by somebody who can help you with that, uh, aka functional medicine practitioner, naturopathic doctor, or whomever, that can really help. And yet, and still, exercise is probably more appropriate. And I love that you said as effective, or did you say more effective or as effective as medication? It has and been proven to be more effective. And, more. and a, yes, so you and, can take control much more than right. You I want everyone listening to really let that sink in more effective exercise is more effective for anxiety and depression treatment than medication. Meditation is more effective for treating hypertension than medication. There are so many natural treatments 
lifestyle changes you can make, things you can do that are going to improve your health more than what you're going to get at your doctor's office. So if you're listening, before you go to your doctor and say, oh, I'm anxious, or they say you have high blood pressure, what medication do I need? Listen to this and maybe start doing your resistance training and see what happens. Start doing your meditation, see what happens. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So no matter what, I mean, mood, you've still got got the bones and you've still got the muscles, you want to take care of them anyway. So the mood comes along as a bonus. It's fantastic. Good. All right. So let me give you a couple more specific tips on women who are in hormone challenge. So there's so much more we can say about strength training, but it's important now not for you just to say, well, I have to start lifting because there is a how and a what that is specific because here are the biggest obstacles, right? Time. I don't have time and or you know, it's not convenient. So you can do it right at home in your pajamas. As long as you don't drop those weights on your toes, I'm good with that. But there's so much that you can do before you even jump into the shower. But type and timing of exercise changes for hormone balance. So I have a a little mantra, just interval or intense early and light late. And if you remember that, you're working with your hormones a little bit better. So doing your intense interval training or your intense strength training earlier in the day and doing your lighter exercise, going for a walk, doing your yoga, or maybe you love Pilates or something else, doing those types of exercise later in the day, especially if you're struggling with sleep and stress. So you're working with your cortisol levels a little bit easier. Now, I know we used to hear the time of day that is best is the time of day you'll do it that changes a little bit as we age. So if you really want to go down that narrow road and get the best results, do the harder type of workouts earlier and keep your lighter ones to later and you'll sleep better. Yes. And um, it's my understanding that people who work out early, the earlier in the day you work out, the more likely you are to stick with that regimen. Mm-hmm. in the long term. Mm-hmm. Um, and you do get those cortisol energy boosting and balancing effects when you do it early. You also get that surge of growth hormone that's very key yeah. for um, preventing aging. Uh, and I have seen some people who worked out late have difficulty with sleeping. Yeah, so exactly. Decrease that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so true. And I think just to piggyback off of what you've said about doing it earlier, you know, people tend to stick with it more. Part of that is simply, you know, as the day goes on, you get more and more interruptions. People are not going to interrupt you at 530 in the morning. Let's just put that out there. But, uh, (laughs) right, you know, but there is something I want to make you aware of. And this is a total buzzkill, but it's, it's always something I feel responsible in saying. So as we age or not, but if we have a bigger frame, as opposed to a smaller frame. So you can, you can do the trick where you wrap your, your forefinger and your thumb around your wrist. If they touch, you probably have a smaller frame. If they overlap, really small. If there is a little gap there, you've got a larger frame. Larger frame, people are more at risk for ruptured discs. So waiting an hour after you rise, so you're upright, so that gravity kind of takes care of all of the pressure between your vertebrae makes you at less risk for a ruptured disc. And 
Why this is not more prevalent in the research and the literature in the mainstream, I don't know. But I love that you important sh- you're so specific that you yeah. have info like that. That's very important. Yeah. So so think about it. And the, the challenge is it's not discriminatory. It doesn't matter if you're in great shape or mm-hmm. you're just getting started. It doesn't matter if you feel stiff in the morning or you don't. It's really not related. You have no warning and generally before a ruptured disc happens, it just happens. And then it's huh. too late. So, so know it, waiting a little bit. Yeah. That's when you're can't find time to journal. I just found you some. Okay. There you go. (laughs) When you're getting up at five 30. That's right. That's right. What else are the benefits? Cause I'm ready to go work out now, but. All right. All right. So one of the things you want to do, if you want to get, you're going to love this one. If you're a little hesitant to get started with exercise or you don't have time as we age, somewhere between 40 and 50, our need for recovery increases. So when I say exercise less and eat more, truly it is actually in a frame of a week, you may want to dump that Monday, Wednesday, Friday schedule that we all got so ingrained and conditioned to do and change it to a, a Monday, Thursday. So what that's doing is putting two days of recovery between your hard workouts. And you can do lighter ones and moderate workouts between to help facilitate recovery. But if you're working really hard, that extra time between, and this is a, this is a change to what we always used to believe. You know, the more I exercise and the harder I work, I'm going to get better results because that's who we were raised by, right? People right. who did that. Yeah. You work hard, you push, you got it done. But you want to allow the time between exercises when fitness happens. Exercise allows the opportunity and potential for fitness, but the recovery time is when the fitness happens. So that's adequate rest, not just between workouts, but also good sleep, enough protein, enough calories of the right kind. Mm -hmm. Those things will help us more. And as we age, we need to be sure we're taking the recovery. So if you're still sore before that next workout, do something lighter and let yourself fully recover because those are micro tears in your body telling you, I'm not ready yet. So if you break down and break down too much, then with age, that combination really will be a little bit harder for you to boost your metabolism, which is what it's all about. That's interesting. I I had a trainer a few years ago who, if I had a particularly hard workout, which I I would say I used to call it, that was toilet hard. Like you would have trouble getting up and off off the the next day. Um, And she would say, oh, you've got, if I would call her and say, oh my gosh, I can't get off the toilet. She would say, come in. And she would make me work out equally as hard because she wanted to move the lactic acid through and it actually used to work. So help me understand that. Yeah. Lighter exercise actually would be a great thing to do, but beating yourself up over and over again. That's a little bit about what we've heard from. I'm originally from Iowa. So the Iowa football players, the rabinosis, right? So we can actually drive ourselves so hard that we do deep, deep damage. So most of us, watching or here today are not in that boat. Okay. Okay. So so that's for football players. So she's treating me like a football player. Potentially. (laughs) Yes. And 
And, and I, I'm not throwing this program under the bus. It's as good as any instructor or trainer, but CrossFit is, is known for really pushing hard and pushing hard every single time mm-hmm. that you go. Okay. So you've got to look hard at, yeah, it's great to push hard and age has nothing to do with your ability to work as hard as you want to. So long as you take extra recovery time. Mm-hmm. So lactate ac- accumulates in your body because of hard exercise But movement, we call it active recovery. So doing lighter workouts, either lower impact or lower intensity or both. So good recovery workouts. And I like to say that some workouts either are recovery or some workouts require recovery. The trick is knowing which is which. Swimming, rowing, bicycling generally are going to be easier on your body because of no impact, but they're going to allow circulation to right. flow through more oxygen and your, your body is able to kind of sweep those toxins out of you and you're going to feel better and less sore than if you sit around and wait for it to go away. So uh, what you were just sharing made me think of a question that some people might be wondering is, can I really do, if I've never worked with resistance or strength or weights training, can I do this myself? Or do I need to join a gym? Do I need a personal trainer? What level of supervision do I need to get started doing this? And this may be a question for later, but it just occurred to me that people may be thinking that. Yep. No, that's a great question. So I would always have either your eyes on something showing you this is what good form is. These are, these are the places you want to experience the feel of the work. These are the places where you want to avoid it. So you've got something coming at you. And if you have maybe a, a muscle memory, you were active and more athletic at one point in your life, it will come back. That may be enough for you. But otherwise, I would definitely have somebody else's eyes on you, mm-hmm. even assessing what's going on. Because if you haven't been exercising, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but you're probably not totally symmetrical. And so your right side may be stronger than your left, especially if you're dominant right side. We want to catch imbalances before they become a problem. So small imbalances are always going to be there, but have somebody's eyes on you, walking you through. This is good form. Here's where I want you to adjust. Have some pictures to look at, and it it can be virtual or it can be in person. But I think probably sit down and answer that question for yourself. Anybody listening probably knows I'm going to feel more confident with somebody or, you know, I would rather do this on my own and not have the intimidation factor and Mm -hmm. that's okay, but get some feedback somehow. So I virtually work with women all over the world, but before I will start, I have them videotape themselves doing a few movements so that I can give them feedback on here's what I see. And here's where I want you to stretch. And we're going to pay a little bit more attention to strengthening this weaker muscle. So some some eyes on you, some feedback like that will be very helpful. Okay, great information. That's great. So yeah, it was what a great else? question. Yeah. What other okay. benefits? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So great benefits. Energy is probably the number one. And then sleep is the number two. Yeah. And so sleep, here's the thing. It doesn't take a lot of exercise, 10 minutes a day, whether we're talking strength training or we're talking going for a walk and there's no, when it comes to sleep, there is no 
control factor as far as know, know how hard, know how fast, know how far, know how much you're lifting. It is just getting 10 minutes of exercise in every day. Increased self-reports of quality of sleep by 33%. I'd say that's worth it. Incredible. Right. Just 10 minutes. 10 minutes. That's amazing. Yep. So that and energy, I think probably for women in midlife are the two biggest complaints that we all have. We've, mm-hmm. we've constantly got fatigue or we don't have enough energy or maybe it's roller coaster. It's not stable. Strength training is amazing for stabilizing blood sugar, which in turn yes. will stabilize our energy levels. Yeah. Let's talk about that a little more. That is huge. <laughs> um, I mean, I have so many patients who are diabetic, pre-diabetic, and yeah. I always tell them, they want to know, well, how should I eat and what supplements should I take? I say, okay, I'll talk to you about that. And the number one yeah. thing you can do to reverse diabetes, heal diabetes, get out of a pre-diabetic state is exercise. Because like we said, muscle is the number one consumer of calories in the body, particularly glucose or sugar. And so if you exercise, I tell people, if you do exercise and and I include aerobic in that five times a week in the next week, for 30 to 60 minutes, you can statistically significantly lower your blood sugar. That means your A1C and your glucose in one week. So imagine what you can do in three months. And I've seen people with spearheading with exercise, also with dietary modification and nutraceuticals, get from being diabetic on oral hypoglycemic agents yep. off. With normal blood sugar in three months. I've seen that. Powerful. 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 Exercise is medicine. And that brings me to, you know, one of the things that, that anybody who's watching wants to use to know you're in a sweet spot. You can exercise too little and you can exercise too much. And I think, especially for women whose hormones are a little volatile, that, that amount may not be what you used to do. So you really got to look at, you want to be the best you and you want to exercise the best for the you right now and listen to Mm -hmm. digestion, elimination, listen to your appetite, because if you're in that sweet spot of your right amount of exercise, your appetite will be healthy, but it won't be overwhelming. You'll have a reduction in cravings. You'll have a, a better sense of I am really hungry, not just thirsty or tired. And I'm sated. I know when I get full as well. And if you're in that sweet spot, then those signs and symptoms will tell you that's it. That's what's going on. So you shouldn't have a greater appetite if you're exercising appropriately and you should lose some cravings as well. Yes. And just what you were talking about made me think about, we were talking about hormones earlier. So I just want everybody watching or listening to understand that um, if you're working your muscles, you're eating up glucose, you're lowering your insulin hormone. Well, your insulin is intimately tied to your thyroid and your cortisol hormone. So you're helping to balance your thyroid and your cortisol at the same time. And most people watching are not aware and they're like, wow, you just blew my mind, Dr. Kieran. So (laughs) 
you're balancing your cortisol, which is huge because like I always call it king cortisol, it governs your immune system function. It has a lot to do with those cravings that you get for sugary Mm -hmm. foods. So if you're helping to balance Mm -hmm. that out, like you said, like Deborah said, you're balancing your cortisol, you're lowering your cravings, oftentimes for salt as well as sugar. So that's right. So good. And, and what's the number one question that I get asked? And it's probably one of the number one questions you get asked as well, you know, because people, people are looking down women and they're like, that wasn't here yesterday. Right. So cortisol and insulin together team up to redistribute fat to the belly. Right. So if we can handle cortisol and handle insulin through exercise and through getting better sleep because of the exercise, we can balance both of those and eliminate some of that belly fat issue, either preventing it in the first place or getting rid of it. But I will tell you this, the way to make it go away, ladies, is not core exercise. It's, it's the other things. You need a little core exercise to get a strong back and protect it, but it's you're not going to core exercise your belly fat away. You need to focus on the strength training, focus on going for walks and getting out there doing cardio as well. So what muscles should we be focusing on? Major muscles. So we really want to focus on the big ones. Like you've said, muscle is really responsible for using up calories, for boosting our metabolism. But you know, this time of year, everybody wants to say, okay, how do I get sleeveless? So I've just had this conversation in my community. If you go right for the arm exercises, these are small muscles compared to your chest and to your back and to your legs, mm-hmm. your booty, your, your thighs, go for those. Because if you do those chest exercises, the mm-hmm. bench presses, the chest presses, or you do the rows or the lap pull downs, you do the squats or the lunges, or can't do those because of your knees, you do a hip bridge on a ball. You do those, you will lose some body fat by increasing some lean muscle so that you will see that pretty muscle that you're creating with your arm exercises. But you've got to do the big ones in order to see the benefit at the little spots. Mm-hmm. And Great don't you question. also, if you work your small muscles like your arms right away and you don't work on the lats and the pectorals and all the all those bigger muscles, uh, the yes. glutes, uh, can't you injure yourself more easily? Meaning in, in terms of the order in your workout? Yeah. Well, yes. no, if you just... Um, I do see some guys at the gym and they just come in and they do bicep and tricep curls and they don't work those big muscles, but are you setting yourself up in the long run for injury if you're not working the the larger muscle groups? Well, you're certainly not helping yourself and it depends a little bit on what's going on with you. So you as an individual, we need to assess what's happening. What's, what's going on with your alignment? What imbalances already exist for you. So catch yourself sideways in the mirror. Look, look at yourself, you know, with, with as little on as you're willing to do in front of a mirror and look at, is there a balance there? So if, if you obviously overall, we need to focus on all those major muscle groups. If you go right for the small ones, they're certainly not going to help you, but also just to 
back to the question I asked you about sequence, you don't want to do the little ones first because fatiguing those arms will mean that if, if weights are over your head while you're doing a chest press or a row, you're a little vulnerable, right? Right. So you save the, those small muscles last, all right? Okay. All right. We like, we like your nose right where it is. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Safety first. Absolutely. Safety first. And, and if you're listening or watching, make sure that you do consult with an expert before you try these things yourself, because yeah. you can hurt yourself doing improper weight training and you don't want yeah. to do that. We don't want that for you. So you mentioned me looking in the mirror. How do you help women who don't like the changes they're seeing to love what they see when they look in the mirror or to handle psychologically the changes that their body's going through? Such a great question. You know, part of it is breaking the pattern. I mean, I, I taught at a university for 15 years. One of the courses I taught was an entry-level health course. So it was community-wide or university-wide, not just kinesiology students, but I would have them do an exercise every semester. And I would first start with, you know, write down, you know, in a minute, I want you to write down as many things as come to you that you love about your body. And then I would ask them the flip question, write down everything that you dislike about your body. And it didn't matter if it was men or women in the class. And these were 20-year-olds. They were sophomores. Everybody writes more about what they hate. It's very hard for people to write about things they love. So that's a pattern disrupt we've got to start working on. Every day, I would spend five minutes thinking about the things you appreciate about your body. And by this time, you should have some, right? I mean, maybe you did create other humans, right? You create other humans that you actually like now. I mean, isn't it? that amazing? Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, what kind of a friend are you? What, what kinds of things can you come up that you like about yourself? Not just your physical body, but I think that is important as well. Because we're so used to looking in the mirror, picking out the, I wish this wasn't there. And that starts in second grade. Girls are wishing that they could cut off parts of their thigh. It's like, what is that? Where did that happen? But they were watching an older woman right? I mean, they didn't make that up. They weren't born that way, thinking that way. So at some point that shifts. And I think it's learning to appreciate the strengths, learning to appreciate what your body can do, learning to appreciate how it can adapt. So my mom at 93 can be stronger if she starts strength training today. Now, between you and me, I don't think she's going to, but you know, if she would, there is that opportunity. The body, the human body is an amazing vehicle for healing itself and getting stronger. So it's spending five minutes a day appreciating where you are right now and catching yourself saying words like, but, and I can't. And just becoming aware that you're using those a lot because those things usually are based on a belief system we have, not really on truths, but just about what we right now think is the truth. And you can change those ideas. Yeah, because beliefs are really nothing more than thoughts we've thought thousands, if not millions of times. And so we can change and make decisions to uh, believe what we really want to believe and is supportive of us. 
So that's something I help people uh, work with because it can be very limiting in terms of your health and in terms of appreciating yourself and accepting the changes that we all go through. I know one thing... One thing I do is if I, if I see younger people, well, they all look really young to me now, but I say, you know, we all get our turn at every. You know, I should bust you on that right there, you know. <laughs> you should. Busted. But what I say is that we all get our turn at every age if we're lucky. And so I, I had my turn at that age and I appreciate what I appreciate about that. And I appreciate what I appreciate now. And so, um, and sometimes I'll see photos. Do you ever do this? You see photos of yourself from decades ago and you think, God, I look good. And I worried about how, how old you thought you had problems. Right. Yes. And then I say, wow. And that, that's a reminder that I'm doing great right here, right now. Right in this moment. Right. Yeah. That's so good. So when we're 30, we're thinking it's not the same as when I was 20. And when we're 40, we're thinking, I wish I had the problems I thought I had when I was 30 (laughs) (laughs) on and on and on. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. So, oh my gosh, you have shared so many wonderful reasons with us about why we need to be doing strength training, resistance training, And um, you also have a free gift for everyone. You want to tell them about that? Absolutely. So it's my most recent book, Hot Not Bothered, 99 Flips to Slimmer, Trimmer, Fitter, Faster. And there are pick it up, read one in two minutes and put it down. So if you're short on time and, and long, lengthy solutions are not the answer, this is a great book. But in it, a third of all of those tips are relevant to exercise. So you'll find reinforcers for strength training. And every one of those flips is research based on and only using women in perimenopause, menopause, and beyond. So it's not just collectively exercise research. It's for us. Oh, I love that. Just for The digital us. form? Yes. The digital form is yours instantly. And if you want to hold one in your hand, I will send it to you if you help me out with shipping. Awesome. And you can get that by going to Deborah's website at Flipping50, F-L-I-P-P-I-N-G-F-I-F-T-Y. We'll have uh, the link in the show notes, but it's Flipping50.com forward slash hot, not bothered, all spelled out. So you definitely want to get that because I know that if you've been paying attention that you can't wait to go work out with weights because we have told you all the wonderful benefits that you're going to get from it and uh, that you can't get from anything else. So I encourage you to do that. And we've already shared so many tips. I, I usually ask at the end, well, what are your top three tips? But I don't even, you're, Go do resistance training. Go do it. (laughs) Uh, But I do want to share because you so exemplify her brilliant health, what it means. But I want to know what does it mean to you? How would you express that? How does somebody know when they have her brilliant health? You know, I think there's a saying I use on my website, in fact, it's that everybody looks at a pretty girl. But nobody can take their eyes off a woman who radiates health and joy. That's 
That's incredible. Yes. Radiating health and joy. Captivating. And there's, there's no way to fake that. No, there's no hat, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Let me go buy some of that at the store. No, you get it at the gym, <laughs> at the grocery store, and buy all the habits. And in your pillow. Yes, in exactly. Pillow, right? <laughs> right? Thank you so much, Deborah, for joining me, for joining us today, for sharing your expertise and your passion, and for sharing your personal story, which is very inspirational. You are an inspiration to me and to so many women, and thank you so much for the work that you do. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Her Brilliant Health Radio. Hopefully you are inspired to take action on some new information you received today. A step towards the bountiful, blissful, beautiful vitality that you deserve. If you have health topics and questions you'd like addressed, please message me on my Facebook page or visit KieranDunstonMD.com and let me know. I'd love to help. Remember to share this podcast on social media and send it to your friends and family who could benefit from it too. If you love the show, please go right now to iTunes, write a review, and make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you'll be the first to know when future episodes are available. Thank you again for joining me. And remember, achieving optimal health isn't magic, it's science. <laughs>